Isn't it great to have kids singing in church? It goes back to our childhood where we had some fun, doesn't it, of course? Uh, this has been our first week with you. Of, uh, as far as being in Erie, Pennsylvania is concerned, we've spent about five or six hours with the staff. I had a great time with your staff members of the church. Uh, you've really done well when it comes to the selection of staff. And, of course, we had our elders meeting on on Thursday night and uh, been with elders all over the place. And you've got great elders. And uh, some of these younger guys that are in there, as far as elders are concerned, have great maturity for these younger fellows. And, of course, the younger, the older guys, we just continue to have fun. And it's been a great to be with you folk, of course, for these um, ten days. And we trust the Lord will give us strength for more days as he gives them to us. Let's pray. Lord, we remind ourselves that you are awesome, you're the all-powerful one, you're full of grace and truth. We rejoice that you're holy other, which means that you are beyond our wildest imaginations, and yet you're intimate. You reside with gladness within our hearts through your Son, the Lord Jesus, by the power of the Spirit. Thank you that you delight in walking and talking with your children. Thank you that Christ is head of the church and he has paid an enormous price for us to be a part of his body. Thankful for the Holy Spirit that enables us to understand who we are in Christ and our position in Christ as we will look at that this morning for a few moments as we consider the life of Elijah. Bless us together as we wait upon you. Thank you for what has taken place and the power of praise and worship and the thematic aspects that have been so well done. Message on Haiti. We rejoice in your provision. Bless that land, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the years, it's been a delight to study Scripture as it relates to some of the characters thereof. And um, our last assignment in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, we ended up with a short study in the life of Gideon. Almost uh, gave that series of messages here. Also thought of giving you some study in the life of Moses. Uh, That's about a 55 or 57 uh, message series. might not be here that long, so we kind of shelved that one. And, of course, we came to the reality that maybe um, Elijah would be the one that we would look at as far as some introduction is concerned. So I wanted to look at, uh, first, uh, God's work in Noah's life, as described for us in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 10. And I would like you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 10. And I'll read uh, this verse to you and make some comments as an introduction to the study of the life of Elijah. Verse 10. In a desert he found him, in a barren and howling waste. Uh, Maybe some of us come from that kind of a background. We can take comfort in coming from something that isn't plush, etc. Shielded him and cared for him, guarded him, 
as the apple of his eye. Now, apple of the, the expression, the apple of the eye, also surfaces at least another eight times as far as Scripture is concerned. And I want to do just a little comment as it relates to that phrase, introduction to the life of Elijah, and also helping us to identify with our maker, the Lord Jesus Christ, and as head of the church, and so on and so forth. God guarded Moses. God shielded Moses, protected him. When God looked upon his work in Moses' life, and he got pretty close to looking at Moses, probably within about four inches as it relates to the study of Ravi Zacharias as well, a good friend of mine. And I remember him saying these things to a class at Alliance Theological Seminary years and years ago. When God looked upon Moses closely, as he does us, closely. The eye becomes a mirror. It happens when you get that close to your spouse or your child. You, the eye becomes a mirror. And who do you see? You see yourself. So when God looks upon Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 10, on the merits of his perfect work, on the merits of his plan, on the merits of his decision to guard and shield Moses, on the merits of that wonderful relationship that exists between Moses and God, God says, I see myself. Do you think God looks upon you the same way? On the basis of having a personal and vital relationship with Christ? Absolutely. We've become like as He is given to us in many places in the Old Testament and also, in particular, in the New Testament. Particularly that wonderful book of, the, book of the Hebrews. It has a lot of input as it relates to our position in Christ and the sufficiency of the only gospel. Nothing else can renew us. But the gospel is enough and is able to convert us and help us to be in a position where God can look upon us and say, Hey, you're my kid. And he sees himself. Do you have that heart relationship with Jesus this morning? So with that brief comment about uh, God's viewpoint of Moses, I want us to start this brief study on the life of Elijah. Now you need to know, ladies and gentlemen, my dearly beloved people, and I hope someday that we'll be able to spend eternity together, in heaven and have a lot of fun, as we're going to try to do here. I do have a bad back. In fact, I was slated for surgery in September, but physiotherapy has been able to postpone that for quite a period of time, hopefully the rest of my life. And I got these back injuries as a result of track and field when I was a young guy and ran for the nation of Canada and as a result of that, the constant running, I messed up my discs in my back, and particularly the disc between L4 and L5, it's, it, it tells me on occasion who's boss. So once in a while, I've got to sit down and preach a sermon, and that'll happen, of course, as we go along. Elijah. 
just a young guy. About 17 as it relates to some of the books in the Oxford Library in England. And here was this young guy asked to go to speak to the most wicked king. And he was rather blunt in his words. He says, it isn't going to rain again until at my word. And you think of the most wicked king of Israel hearing that from a bit of a young guy, you'd say, what, what's with all this type of thing? little bit like me coming into the church and saying to you, well, this is the way it's going to be for the next uh, whatever months, and we're going to do it my way. And this is the way it's going to play out. I've noticed some of you already putting your eyes down a little bit. Have no fear, this isn't going to happen. But it's an illustration of just how we can relate possibly to Ahab, the most wicked king of Israel, as he heard this young upstart speaking to him. But God had a vital relationship with Elijah. And God was guarding Elijah's life. He protected him. He shielded him. As we see it in verse 10. And of course, God does this thing often. Did it with Joseph. Joseph was having his dreams. And as a result of some dreams, what happened? His brothers got a little upset and almost took his life. And Potiphar's wife didn't like him very well. And she lied about him. And he was in jail for a while, and the jailer forgot about Joseph and had more endurance. God guarded, shielded Joseph. And he became prime minister. And God nurtured his heart so well, as we look at Genesis 42 to 45, that he was able to cry with his brothers. And almost an embarrassment to the Egyptian leaders, but was a tremendous means of healing as far as that relationship is concerned. So here is friend Elijah has made these pronouncements to the most wicked king of Israel. And as we think and know the story so well, Ahab was the most wicked, but when he stopped, Jezebel took over. And of course, she was even more wicked than Ahab. And we'll get into that clearly when it comes to some peacemaking principles in 1 Kings chapter 19. But God shielded Elijah. Point number one this morning, as we think of this short study, looking at the life of Elijah from an introductory perspective. Took him out and put him by the ravine, Kareth Ravine. Kareth Ravine, some says, some people say. And of course, it was here that God literally spoke to friend Elijah and nurtured him, strengthened him. It was a pure place. Friends, this morning in the private development of our lives, whether it's in the home, whether it's at work or here at the church or uh, just our own pilgrimage, there needs to be that private place that God speaks deep to our hearts. And as we listen to the voice of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, that privacy of in the presence of God has to be so clear that we delight in only listening to His voice in the depths of our private lives. 
mind, soul, heart, strength, etc. And God spoke deeply to Elijah by the brook and really had his best interests at mind. And just think of it for a little bit. God looking upon Elijah and saying, Boy, he's the apple of mine eye. You know, so complete is God's work in Elijah's life that Elijah shows up at quite a few places in Scripture. Strategic places, I might add. Like Matthew 17, the transfiguration scene. Elijah, right there. For the disciples, of course, to see and to recognize. That's being a part of the family of God. And the nurture of God deep within our privacy of life gives us the strength to have a wonderful ministry, first with ourselves and our relationship to God, but also with our families. In the marketplace. And also in church. Think of it this way. How many of us have come to this church in the last 25 years and look what this church has done in the last 25 years. And somehow, because of God's grace, God seeing us as His kids, seeing us as the apple of His eye, we've had these wonderful things in the life of the church that God has done for us. It's given us confidence. It's given us strength. It's given us resolve. It's given us trust. Because of the deep Nurturing work of the Spirit. It gives us a sense of belonging. It gives us a sense of trust of each other. It gives us a sense of trust of Christ. It gives us a sense of well-being. It gives us a sense of confidence. It gives us a sense that we can go in this course of direction. It quietens us, knowing that all is well. In fact, if you know that the quietness that has come to your heart because of a personal relationship with Christ, we can sit here and be relaxed this morning. Because we're Christ's kids. Paid an awful price for us. And He delights in us. Recall one time being in the Philippines and uh, did some ministry with Karen, of course, in the garbage dump at the Philippines in Manila. Stunk like crazy fires up in the hills where some of the kids were playing. thought of that this morning when I think of the music presentation. But you go to the church, clean, spotless, all around the place, dirty, stunk. Do you know something? We kind of smell as believers. But who resides within us and delights to do so is the Lord God Himself. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Make me your child. Take away all the pollution, all the sin, all the disobedience, all the hurt that I've caused you. As a result of exercising, believing faith that He gives to us to do so, God looks upon us and says, You're the apple of mine eye. Is that your heritage this morning? Is that what has brought you to church? And God nurtures that and continues to do so? as it relates to your ongoing ministry with each other, and particularly your relationship with Him. First point is perfect seclusion. Second point, of course, is God's provision. And God provided bread and some meat and water. Let's look at two of them just for a moment or two. Meat. 
God used the raven, part of his, God's creation, to satisfy the needs of Elijah. How many of us know very much about the raven as a bird? The raven as a bird has a ferocious appetite. It, you just can't satisfy the appetite of a raven. It just is ongoing. It's almost like feeding a teenager, isn't it? But God used the raven, which is part of His creation, to demonstrate to Elijah the gospel is enough. It's complete to the uttermost. Part of His creation. We can be negative on the ravens as much as we like, but God still used the raven as part of the nurture, provision of Elijah's life. Now, secondly, water. You know, there's not a lot of imagination required about uh, 1 Kings 17, 1 through 4. You go to Israel, water is always the centerpiece of conflict. And a lot of the water that Israel uses, of course, is from countries that don't have much respect for that, Israel, for that nation, Israel. But God kept the water pure until it dried up, which was able to meet the thirst needs of friend Elijah. In Erie, Pennsylvania, when you have no water coming into a brook or no water coming out of the brook, how long does it remain pure? Now, maybe Erie is just a little better than most of the places that I've been, but I've never seen it. But God kept the water pure. An example of the purity of the gospel and used that just to nurture Elijah. You know, Think of it for a second. God is the God of the supernatural, but just displayed some of the supernatural in bitty form. Didn't overwhelm Elijah with all of this food. Could have. See that in Mark's Gospel as it relates to feeding of the 5,000. And just keeping the water pure. Example of His grace, His mercy, and who we are as His children as we live by faith and exercise obedience and Live a surrendered life to him. Oh, was Elijah so well nurtured. And we can go into the truth of the principle, we'll discuss that a little bit next week. How God nurtured Elijah in his wonderful abundance of his provision for this young man's life. Point number three what did Elijah do? Verse five of the text. Elijah did whatever God asked him to do. Now, I want you to keep it as simple as you can. When God speaks to you, respond. That gave Elijah everything he needed to have the ministry that he had with, with these people and with the Baal worshipers. And we'll get into that a little later on as well. Just that simple act of the will, ongoing, in the privacy of that perfect place, with all of this provision in small forms, but get the supernatural. Elijah did what God asked him to do. Are we obedient today? Or do we have subtleties of our hearts and of our minds about whatever? Uh, possibly some of the things where you've been hurt in your past. We'll touch that a little bit next week. But God's grace is sufficient and is able to heal us through these experiences when things weren't as pretty.
But God's peace and God's truth and God's resolve deep within your hearts has given us the staying power to see it through. And as we think of point number four, just the supernatural presence of God. We refer to that in terms of Elijah by the brook. Think of some of these people in Haiti this morning that are trapped, a leg bleeding, but are believers and are praying. We've been to 25 countries of the world, and we've seen some stuff, particularly in the underground church in China. We had lunch one time with a woman by the name of Janabo in Africa. A woman that was abused deeply. She was the second wife of the family. And that's another custom we've got to deal with when it comes to what's done in Africa in some of these countries. But she was very, very deeply abused in this process. But she was a believer. And she was so excited about us meeting her because the missionary that led her to Christ was my niece, our niece. So they really wanted, she really wanted to meet us. Right on top of just our meeting with her, Janable, she lost a baby. And that's tough stuff. Nothing harder to do is do a funeral for a baby. Done lots of them. And go through the grief of a loss of a child. But that's what we met with Janable. We sat there and listened to her, and watched her provide us stuff that was, we could hardly eat it because of the filth of it. But her heart was pure and golden. So much so that we could look past all of the present circumstances. Janable is the apple of God's eye. That happened years ago. Within this decade, of course. Now her husband's become a believer. So is the first wife. Because of purity of character on the basis of God's supernatural presence and her obedience. How obedient are we? It's out of obedience that we gain purity and resolve. God nurtured Elijah privately. Oh my, it was complete and thorough and supernatural in every way. And he was able to take all that private nurture to have a very intriguing, wonderful public ministry with all of its warts and difficulties. And that, of course, is the rest of the series. God nurtures us privately. We can count on that. In fact, it's the basis by which we have any kind of public ministry whatsoever. And sometime we'll deal with American culture when it comes to some of these particular issues. Private is critical. Private inducement of the Spirit and our yieldedness to Him in the fullness of Christ is absolutely essential when it comes to our walk with Him, life of the church. To make this point clear, I want to refer to a situation that happened in Scotland. We were requested to go to Scotland during one of our sabbaticals and speaking to a couple that were, had just finished his Ph.D. at the University of Edinburgh. His Ph.D. was in the studies of Islam. And he had a minor, of course, in the whole issue of post-modernity, which, of course, is one of my disciplines as well. 
This man, I can't go into his name because of privacy matters and also because of security issues with the, with the, with the U.S. government. This young man, after he just received his Ph.D., we met him in Scotland with his wife and his kids, two, two girls. So I asked the question, how are you going to do when it comes to teaching at a university with extreme Islam and you're a Christian? We were there just to kind of encourage him and his family. He said, privately, God has always spoken to me. But I come from a good home. Some of us don't have good homes, but God's grace is sufficient. And he says, I had tremendous nurture from a church that was never over 60 people. And he's ready to go. And he's doing a great job. Don't know where it is. I know it's an Islamic university. I know it's extreme. But people are coming to Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, privacy is critical. We have in our governments that says, in our country that says, well, what's done in private is private. Doesn't matter publicly. Rubbish. Rubbish. What's done privately is the, is the jewel of ministry publicly. And we've got to remind ourselves of that when it comes to the life of the church. And when, particularly when we get into the discussion of absolutes and relativism, that'll come on <clears throat> the first Sunday of February. As we begin and continue our ministry here, how is it going privately? Because the public should be a manifestation of that which we have gained privately. It all comes with the supernatural presence of God, God's confidence in us, in Him nurturing us supernaturally. Not in a big way, but just so as we can cope with it. But see, it's of Him. Recognizing there's so much more. And as a result of that, we can identify with Elijah. We can see how God nurtured him, protected him, guarded him, shielded him. And how God delighted in Moses. And also, Elijah. And also, your name. Erie First Alliance Church as well. Are we on board? Are we settled? Not because of this cranky old guy that comes from Georgia, but because of the reality of God's presence, nurtured to us through Christ by the Spirit, and we can trust it because He's declared us His own.